glad to be here. And uh, our goal here at Family Life is, is just to be a blessing to help people uh, grow in their walk with the Lord. Um, one of the most important things, they just talked about it, we are, this coming Wednesday, we're having a leadership meeting here. We call it a leadership huddle. And it's for all of our serve team people. And we have over 300 people on our serve team that do parking lot, ushers, greeters, cafe, work with the youth, and so, so on and so forth. So once a quarter, we get everyone together to make sure we're on the right page. And, and you don't have to be a leader to come. If you're just here and you want to find out more about family life, that's probably the easiest way to do it as we talk about vision and what God wants us to do. So child care, we have child care if you have children. And the youth will be meeting, the student ministries will be meeting at the same time. So if you have teenagers, hey, you can come over here and drop your teenagers over there and, and uh, they, they, they will have a great time. Um, I, w- I want to take about, about a minute and a half or two minutes just, just to share something with you that's just so important. Sometimes people come to family life and uh, they say, hey, well, what is family life? What is it about? What are y'all trying to do? So we have a very simple vision here at Family Life. And I just want to, they're going to put some slides up. I just want to talk you through it real, real quick. And you can find out more about it in depth at our leadership meeting if you wanted to come. But basically, we believe, uh, as I study the Bible, I believe that God has a four-step journey for everyone. He has, he has four things, four steps in a spiritual journey that he wants all of his children to go through. And many don't. And the first one is this. The first a step at family life is just to, to know God, to develop a personal relationship with God. You know, 80% of America says that they believe in God, but when you start asking them, they can't tell you about the nature and character of God. And so our number one thing is to have an atmosphere where you can come to know God personally. And the bottom line is, you know, I talk to people every week after church, and several weeks ago we we had a, 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 young, a man, young man that's here. He's like, I don't even know if God exists. And I told him, well, this is the place you need, you need to be. I think if you come here week after week, you'll learn a lot. So that's the very first step to get to know God. That's, if we don't get to know God, uh, then coming to church is fruitless. Can I get an amen? But the second thing is this is, is to find freedom. And every one of us have issues in our life. If you don't think you have issues, that's your issue, Okay. I mean, but we all have issues, and so what we do is we have small groups in the fall and spring. So after Labor Day, we're going to have a number of classes you can take, you know, and, and we believe that if to really define freedom, to get a breakthrough in your life, you need someone that you can talk to, someone you can just uh, get encouragement from. So we have small groups that go about 10 weeks, and that's how you get to know people. That's how you get encouragement. See, sometimes we're scared to share things with people, and then when you get into a small group, you find out like, hey, man, that cat has more problems than me, you know? And, and so to find freedom. The third thing, though, is that God wants you to discover your purpose. And we have a growth track, and some people are scared. It's kind of like our membership track. But our growth track will, tell you, will help you find what you're good at doing and how you can be involved at family life. And we'll start that up here in the end of August or September, and it meets right after Sunday service. We, we give you a meal. So how bad can it be? You get a free meal. We give you child care. And you get to listen to me talk for about 40 minutes. And after three weeks, you'll kind of learn more about family life and where you may be interested in serving. And then we get you involved. And the last step is God wants all of us to make a difference with our lives. And, you know, at the end of our life, it's not going to matter how much money we made. 
A lot of these things are going to really matter is what did I do with my life? Did I help people? And so that's, that's the four steps that we, that we believe that God teaches throughout the Bible. And um, so that's what we're about. So if you want to know what family and life is about, we want to help people to know God. We want to help people break free from the things that are holding them back. We want people to discover what they're good at doing, their purpose, and then to be able to make a difference. And uh, I don't know, uh, uh, yesterday, yesterday I had a special day. It was my anniversary, and I remembered it. I remembered it. Yeah. So when you leave today, tell Tracy that she's a great woman, that she's a Proverbs 30 woman for putting up with me for 28 years. 28 years. Yeah, we, we, we got married. We, we were biblical. We got married when we were 12, you know? So anyway. Well, I went to Birmingham this week, and, and uh, we, there was a pastor's conference up there that I went up to, about 4,000 pastors. And one of the speakers, he's, he's funny, he's from southern Louisiana. He's a Cajun. We have some Cajuns here, right? And Cajuns are such fun people, and they have this line of, they have this line of Boudreaux jokes. That's the big deal, Boudreaux. How many of you would like to hear a Boudreaux joke before you get whammy with God's word? Hey, all you okay? We, it's okay to laugh here. So Boudreaux, he finally gets his first job, and uh, his first good job, and he has to travel. He has to travel over. Boudreaux has never been on a plane, so his first week of the job, he, he goes to the airport, he gets on the plane, and he says, he start, makes a talk, small talk with this guy next to him. He said, hey man, I've never been on a plane before. And the guy said, hey, no problem. I fly all the time. It's easy. There's no stress, no worry. And uh, so he settles Boudreaux down and they take off. They're going up in the air and they fly about 15 minutes and they hear, they hear a loud explosion. And Boudreaux looked over at his new friend and said, hey man, what that is? He said, I don't know. He said, I don't know. So the pilot came on and said, folks, I just want you to not be scared, but one of our engines exploded. It's no good anymore. But believe it or not, it's not a problem. This plane can easily fly with three engines. But we will be 30 minutes late. So Boudreaux's feeling good. They go another few minutes, and there's another explosion. And uh, he asked the guy next to me, what that is? And he said, well, it sounded like the first one. Maybe it's another engine. Pilot comes on and says, uh, Hey, passengers, I don't want you to, to worry or be alarmed. We did lose, unfortunately, our second engine. But believe it or not, this plane can make it on two engines. And uh, he said, but we will be an hour late. We can't fly as fast. And, man, sure enough, a few minutes later, another explosion. And Boudreaux says, hey, man, what that is? And he's like, I think that is the third engine. And uh, the pilot comes on and says, listen, unfortunately, we, again, we, we lost engine number three. But believe it or not, we can make it on one engine, but man, we are gonna, we're going to be late. I mean, we're going to be an hour and a half late. And so Boudreaux looks over at his new friend and says, man, if that fourth engine goes, we're going to be up here forever. <laughs> All right, let's get into the Bible. That's funny. I don't care what you some people don't want. Some people come to church and they don't want to laugh. That's funny. So we're in a series called Running with the Giants, and let me give you just a quick background to the, how I came up with this series. Uh, the Apostle Paul, who was one of the main characters in the New Testament, he was a pivotal figure in the New Testament. He started churches all over the Mediterranean world, and he wrote half of our New Testament. He wrote about 13, if you include Hebrews, 14 books of the New Testament. And 
One th- what he always used an analogy to encourage and spur on the early church. And what he would say is, is this. He, he would compare the Christian life, running the race of our life with, with Christ Jesus, uh, to running a physical race. They, in, the, in the ancient days, you know, just like today, sports were a big deal, but they had all these local events where people would train and run. And, and basically his analogy was this. Just as it takes determination, discipline, and endurance and focus to discipline your body physically, to run a race, it takes the same ingredients in our spiritual life. Because even, how many of you know, even in your spiritual life, it, Jesus comes in our life, but, but life on this earth is not perfect. It's not perfect, and there's obstacles, and there's hardships. And he said, man, in our Christian walk, to really pursue and grow in our relationship with God, you just got to keep going. When you get knocked down, you got to get back up. You have to be determined, disciplined, and focused. And our text this series is one of these passages in Hebrews 12.1. It says, therefore, since we're surrounded by such a great cloud of witnesses, let us throw off everything that hinders and the sin that so easily entangles and let us run with perseverance the race marked out for us. And so I was looking at this verse, you know, it says there's that we're surrounded, that we have a great cloud of witnesses, the, the men and women that have gone before us. And so I, I started thinking as I was preparing for this series, what if some of these spiritual giants, these, some of the cloud of witnesses, some of the great characters in the Bible, what if they could come down with us? I mean, you've got to use your imagination a little bit. But what if they could come down with us and run a little bit of our race with us? What if this week, as we're going through our week, one of the great men or women, what if Noah or Abraham or Esther or Rebecca, or what if one of these great men or women could just come alongside us as we're running our race for a little bit, what words of encouragement would they give to us? And we, we've, this is our fifth week, and the first week we said that Noah would say this, that one person can make a difference. We see in the life of Noah that one righteous person made a difference and God used him. And we said that Esther would tell us this, that you and I, we were born for today. We were born for such a time as this. And we said that Moses would say uh, that we have to live in the faith zone and not the safe zone. So many Christians want to stay in the safe zone, but we have to, have, we have to get in the faith zone if we're going to reach our potential and do great things for God. And last week, uh, we said that Rebecca, uh, Isaac's wife, would say, um, that we need to give generously to others, and we told her story, and you can listen to all those on the website if you want to. And so today, today we're going to have uh, King David come down and run with us for a little bit, and probably of all the spiritual giants uh, we've run with so far in this series, perhaps David would be one of the ones I would, I would be looking forward to the most, and as we watch David approach us, you know, he's, he's dressed like a king, he's got robes on. He's, got, he's a warrior, so he's got his sword with all the, with all the dazzle on it. He's got a crown on his head. But, but as he approaches us, he carries himself like a warrior. You know, powerful, relaxed, yet alert, poised for any situation. And, you know, if you think about it, as he starts approaching and we're going to start running together, I think, man, I wonder what the greatest king of Israel is going to say to us. If he could give us one line to encourage us, what, what would he say? Is he going to talk about how Samuel anointed him to be king? Is he going to talk about how lonely it was when he was running from King Saul when, when King Saul had lost his mind and he's trying to kill him and he's hiding out in caves? Is he going to tell us a story in his own words of 
of, of him slaying Goliath. It's, it's going to talk about growing the kingdom of Israel and all the, all the battles uh, you know, that he faced. And, but as he gets closer to us, for the first time, we're able to, we're able to look into his eyes. And in, in his eyes, we see that he's a man that has experienced so many of the ups and downs of life. He's experienced pain. He's experienced loss. He's experienced betrayal as Absalom and his son tried to take the kingdom from him. But the thing we notice about his eyes and his countenance is that he, he's not bitter or hard-hearted. He's made it through the toughest things of life, but he still has a soft and a, and a tender heart. He's, he's not moved by bitterness or hate or anxiety. And as the champion of champion, the king of, the king of kings, as he, he comes up before us, he, look, he, he looks at us and he says one simple line. He says, you can overcome the limitations that others put on you. That's what David would say to us, I believe, is that we, you and I, can, we can overcome the limitations that others put on you. How many of you have had others put limitations on you? How many of you have ever, people have said, you can't do that, you won't amount to that, you can't. I think all of us have had limitations put on us. And, you know, when we think about David, I mean, we, we, immediate, we immediately, the first thing that comes to our mind is that he had limitations because here's a man who has achieved as much success as you can. I mean, the greatest king of Israel, I mean, he expanded, he expanded uh, the kingdom of Israel. I mean, he achieved everything. He made it all to the top, you know, a great warrior, a great king. And yet, there were so many as he was growing up, as he was a young boy, who never saw the potential that God had in him. I want to tell you this morning, everyone in here, everyone, everyone in this room has potential. You have God potential that he's put within you. God is destined you to be a great father. God is destined you to be successful. God is destined you to have a great family. God is destined you for success. He's put potential inside of you, but so many times in this life, people try to beat down our potential. People try to beat it down. So David, David would say, don't let other people limit you. You can rise above the limitations that others speak into your life. And I want to look at how some of the others treated and saw David. And maybe you've never thought about this before. But Jesse, David's father, did not think that his son David had king potential. There's a story we're going to read in just a minute in 1 Samuel 16. And so how they did things in this day is they had a, a main prophet of the day. And Samuel was the prophet. And it was Samuel who would take his horn of oil and go pour it over, the, over someone's head to become king or to be the next high priest. And God told Samuel, I want you to go to Jesse's house, the next king, the future king, the king that's going to take Saul's place is living in his home as one of his boys. So he tells, he tells Jesse, tomorrow I'm coming to your house, and God has told me that one of your sons is going to be the next king of Israel. Can you imagine how excited Jesse and his wife must have been? I mean, he had eight sons, and, I, and they're probably laying there at night, and probably him and his wife had an argument over which son it would be. You know, she had three that she really liked, he had three that he really liked, you know, and there was a couple that they were just trying to love, you know what I'm saying? And, uh, but they're sitting there, I wonder which one it is, which one, it is. and then the day comes. The day comes, Samuel's here. Let's read this story in 1 Samuel 16, 
verse 6 through 12, it says this. When they arrived, Samuel saw Eliab and thought, Surely the Lord's anointed stands here before the Lord. But the Lord said to Samuel, Do not consider his appearance or his height, for I have rejected him. The Lord does not look at the things people look at. People look at the outward appearance, but the Lord looks at the heart. Then Jesse saw Abinadab and, and, and had him pass in front of Samuel. But Samuel said, the Lord has not chosen this one either. Jesse then had Shammah pass by, but Samuel said, nor, nor, nor has the Lord chosen this one. And Jesse had seven of his sons pass before Samuel, but Samuel said to him, the Lord has not chosen these. So he asked Jesse, are these all the sons you have? And Jesse said, they're still the youngest, but he is tending sheep. Samuel said, send, send for him. We will not sit down until he arrives. So he sent for him and had him brought in. He was glowing with health and had a fine appearance and handsome features. Then the Lord said, rise and anoint him. This is the one. Now how would you feel? If someone told your parents, tomorrow the prophet of God is coming, he's going to anoint one of your children to be the next king or queen of Israel, how would you feel if you weren't even invited to the party? David's out there in the field. He has his seven sons, the tall, the handsome, the, the big, the macho, whatever, and David's not even invited to the party. Hey, guess, guess who invited David to the party? Samuel, the one who was going to anoint him to be the future king of Israel. So, so Jesse, I'm sure he loved his sons, but he didn't even think that he had the potential to be the king. As a matter of fact, he had eight sons, and David, I guess, ranked eighth because someone had to tend the sheep, and it was David. You, you may be here this morning, maybe growing up, you grew up in a home that wasn't very affirmative. Maybe, maybe, maybe your parents didn't, didn't encourage you. They didn't, they didn't see they didn't try to unlock the potential that God had put in you. So first of all, David had to overcome the limitations of his own parents. The second thing is that David's brothers, they did not think he had warrior potential. And, uh, you know, basically David experienced the same rejection, probably worse than his brothers. And when the story goes like this, that the Israelites were in, in battle with the Philistines, and they were out here in, this val in the Valley of Elah. And um, what they would do many times in these days is that instead of having two armies fighting, having hundreds and perhaps thousands of people killed, sometimes they would each choose their best warrior to go out and meet each other. And whoever's warrior won, that army was the winner. So the problem is the Philistines have an incredible warrior. He's nine foot nine inches tall. He's just a massive man. He's an experienced warrior. He's undefeated, named Goliath. And every day... Every day Goliath comes out and he taunts the Israelite army and no one will go out and face him. Well, three of David's brothers are in the army. And so Jesse sends David with some food to his brothers. He said, take this food to your brothers, see how they are, and return to me with news of the battle. And so let's read this story, 1 Samuel 17, 26 through 29. David asked the men standing near him, what will, we, will be done for the man who kills this Philistine and removes this, this, this disgrace from Israel. Who is this uncircumcised Philistine that he should defy the armies of the living God? And they, they repeated to him what they had been saying and told him this is what will be done for the man who kills him. When Eliab, David's oldest brother, heard him speaking, 
with the men, he burned with anger at him and asked, Why have you come down here? And with whom did you leave those few little sheep in the wilderness? Just belittling him, verbally abusing him. I know how conceited you are and, and how wicked your heart is. You have come down only to watch the battle. And David said, now, now what have I done? done? Can I even speak? So his brother saw him as nothing more than an errand boy. But God had sent him there. David was a man on a mission, so his father, his, his parents didn't believe in him. His brothers didn't believe in him. And you know, the king of Israel at the time, King Saul, King Saul did, did not think that David had champion potential within him. And so the story goes that, uh, you know, there's this problem. There's a giant out there. No one wants to face him. King Saul certainly doesn't want to face him. And he begins to hear word, hey, there's someone in the camp who says he will go and fight against Goliath. So let's, let, 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 let's read this in 1 Samuel 17, 32 and 33. It says, David said to Saul, let no one lose heart on account of this Philistine. Your servant will go and fight him. Saul replied, you are not able to go out against this Philistine and fight him. You were only a young man, and he has been a warrior from his youth. Isn't it very interesting? I'm going to share a nugget with you that I hope will encourage you. It's very interesting that someone who didn't have the heart to face Goliath was skeptical of someone who did. And a lot of the reasons that people are critical of, of you, the, a lot of reasons people place limitations on you, it's because they can't get over the limitation themselves. They don't have the heart to do it themselves. And so they want to keep everyone else uh, from busting through that, that bubble as well. So he decided to let David fight Goliath, but then it wasn't enough. He tried to put David in his arm. And of course, if you read on the history of Saul, Saul was, the Bible says, he was a head taller than the average person. He was a big man, and David's a young boy, uh, much shorter, and he puts his arm on him, and he, he, just, he just can't move. And, and so David, David's like, look, this is not how God has fashioned me, formed me, destined me uh, to do battle. There's one more. There's one more person who put limitations on David, and that was Goliath himself. Goliath did not think that David had opponent potential. He didn't even think that David was, was a worthy opponent. Um, he, was, he was put out that they send this little boy out here to come, to come do battle with him. It says in 1 Samuel 17, verse 43 through 44, it says this, as he came out through the battlefield, he said to David, am I a dog that you come at me with sticks? And the Philistine cursed David by his gods. Come here, he said, and I'll give your flesh to the birds of the air and the wild animals. Now, when he said, I'm going to give your flesh to, to the birds of the air and the wild animals, what he was telling David is, you know, you're not a worthy opponent, and you're not even going to get a proper burial. It was a very shameful thing uh, if you were killed in battle just to leave somebody hanging out there and letting the wild animals, they were, they were, you're always allowed to go out there and pick up your dead and go give them a proper, proper burial. And so here's what I've learned. You can determine the caliber of the person by the amount of opposition it takes to discourage him. And so David had, he, he had the caliber within him. He had the initiative within him that even though 
all these people, at least four that we've mentioned, his parents, his brothers, the king, Goliath, even though they said these little things about him, it didn't seem to stop him from doing what God had asked him to do. And uh, so I have a question for you today. Are you the type of person who when people talk down on you, when things don't go your way, do you just quit and give up? Or are you willing to push through? See, to overcome the limitations that people place on us, we have to allow God to keep lifting us up. We have to keep growing to where literally we just burst through that limitation. See, a limitation is right here, and if you're right here, you'll never get through it. If you keep growing and start hitting that thing, eventually you're going to get a breakthrough. Eventually you're, you're going to bust, bust out of that. But everyone told David that he had no potential. But David was able to go beyond his family, the relational limitations, go beyond King Saul's leadership limitations, and go beyond Goliath's skill limitations. So David threw off the limitations that others had placed on him, and he killed Goliath. And here's the deal. When we overcome our limitations, it allows everyone around us to overcome their limitations. So for 40 days, the army of Israel was scared of the Philistines. They wouldn't go out there. No one faced Goliath. If you read the story in 1 Samuel 17, when David kills Goliath and cuts off his head, it says there was a loud shout on the Israelite camp, and they chased them for miles, slaying people. There was a, it was a rout. It went, it went from we're scared, we can't do anything, to David overcoming his limitations, killing Goliath, and the whole army, the whole na- David overcoming his limitations released the potential of the whole nation of Israel not to be in servitude to the Philistines anymore. So his personal victory turned into a victory for the entire nation. So let, let's, let's think about this for a little bit. As, uh, you know, as David is running with us and, you know, I think about the boy David was and how he became a man after God's own heart, the greatest king of Israel. You know, he had to start. David started with, with nothing but hope and potential. The only one who believed in David was God, who sent Samuel to anoint him. His, he didn't, so in, in other words, when David was growing up, okay, okay let, let, let's, let, let's take a walk back down memory lane, okay? Can we do that? Everyone here, all the parents here, all the, all, the, all the people that have graduated. You remember when you were in high school and they always labeled somebody as the most likely to succeed in the yearbook? Have you ever noticed that it's usually not the ones who are labeled most likely to succeed who actually succeed? Have you ever gone back to your 10, 15, 20-year anniversaries and the one that's most likely to succeed now put on 50 pounds and doesn't have any hair? On the third marriage? I'm so, if you don't have hair, I'm so sorry. I know one day I'm going to be bald, but I'm, I'm, just, I'm just saying. But they're unsuccessful. And then a lot of the people that no one thought had potential, that put limitations on them, you know, they're the ones running companies. They're the, one, you know, they're the, they're, they're the, you know, the Steve Jobs and, and all, these, all these type of guys. I have no idea how I got to that analogy. But anyway, that's, that's, that's where we are. But no one else believed him. And I, I believe David would give us three phrases, three words of encouragement. And, and this is the first one is simply that limitations don't have to limit you 
unless you let them. I, I want you to understand this. The only reason you have to allow limitations to limit you is if you allow to, if, if you accept them, if you accept that limitation. You know, it's very, it's very possible, you know, you can say, I'm not going to accept that, I'm, I'm going to reject that, I'm gonna, I believe that God has more for me. So, you know, David would tell us that no one believed in me when I was young, but in reality, I had the greatest potential of all of my brothers. I had the greatest potential of everyone in the army. I had more potential than Goliath. And uh, he, he said, basically, you know, when I was young, the, the only way I was able to overcome my limitations is I just had to keep growing. I had to keep, I had to keep, uh, I had to be determined. I had to keep, uh, you know, training and growing and allowing God to, to use me. I was thinking. I was thinking this week. Uh, I, I was blessed to have great parents and a great family, and so they always encouraged me and inspired me. But even if you have a great family and great parents and all that, one day you're going to talk to somebody who's going to put limitations on you. One day you're going to meet somebody who's just a negative. They're not happy or whatever. They place limitations on you. I'll never forget. We moved 19 years ago to, to start family life, and we we moved here. And uh, we, we really, we only knew two people. And so I, I didn't even have enough people to help me move. So people from Lafayette came with me. The two guys came down to U-Haul. We placed all my stuff in storage. And I wanted to do something, you know, kind of nice for them since they had driven all the way down here and helped me. So they like to play golf. I'm a terrible golfer. I gave up. But anyway, I took them to play golf because they like to play golf. And so they were hitting beautiful shots. And, you know, I get so much exercise when I play golf. I just don't hit it this way. I hit it this way, or I hit it this way. I'm in somebody's yard. I'm in the water, you know. Uh, anyway, so we were playing golf, and there was three of us, so they paired us. They, you know, there were four people play at a time, and so they paired us with this one guy, and, and uh, we had to spend 18 holes with this guy, you know, spend about four hours with this guy. And this was the most negative person I'd ever met. And so he asked me, why are you moving here? And I told him, I said, I feel like God's told me to come here and start a church. And so... He told me, there's a church on every blank corner. Why don't you go somewhere that needs a church? And so my friend's kind of a smart aleck, and he's like, Terry, I, don't, I just don't think that Bob wants to be a charter member, you know? I don't think he wants to be a charter member. And, uh, and so I said, well, I, I came here. I didn't count how many churches there were. I just came because I felt like God wanted me to come here. And, but, but, man, isn't that funny? People, some people just want to smash your dreams. Some people just want to, you're so excited about something and someone wants to tell you a hundred reasons why you can't be successful. Well, let me tell you one reason why I can, because God asked me to do it. I'm just being obedient to him. I'm going to let God lift the lid on my ability. And it's funny, it's, I had a lot of people supporting me, but uh, I'll never forget, we were in, we started and we moved into a daycare. We had about 40 people in a daycare, setting up, breaking down every day. And this couple, one day this couple came, uh, came to family life and, again, you know, 30, 40 people. And so, you know, after church, there were visitors. I went to go talk to them. And um, they were just, you know, they were just very talkative and they were very opinionated. And they told me, Terry, Terry, this church is not going to make it. You got a few people here in a daycare and you ain't got no money, you don't got no, you don't got any, man, your screens are TVs up on wooden stands. 
And I'm like, yeah, I'm kind of proud of that. I had an engineer design that. Um, I actually did. But, um, but, you know, finally I'm just listening listen to him talk, and I'm, just, I'm, I'm smiling and being nice. I'm like, would you please leave and never come back? You know, man, it's tough enough. I don't need you to tell me what the devil's already telling me, you know. But it's funny. So, so we, the, the bottom line is, is that, um, you know, we limitate, limitations don't have to limit you unless, if you, unless you let them. So if God puts a dream on your heart, hang around with people that throw fire on it, that, that throw gasoline on your fire. There's two types of people, fire lighters and fire stoppers. Fire lighters throw gas on a flame. You know, the ones put the fire out, they throw water on the flame. Get around people that encourage you. Get around people who, who will pray with you. Get around people who will say, man, I know that God will help you to do that. The second thing is this. I think David would give us some encouragement. He would say, don't try. Don't try to be someone else when others put limitations on you. See, Saul wanted David to fight in his armor. I don't think David would have defeated Goliath if he had had all this armor on. It wasn't it was too big for him. He, did, he wasn't used to it. And so, here's the thing. I want you to remember this. When God gives you a dream, something to do, there are always multiple ways to get something done. You know? God may ask three people to do the same thing, but they're going to accomplish it in a different way depending on what city they are, the, the resources they have. So, what I want to say to you is, you are good enough to go in your own armor. You have the potential of God within you. You don't need someone else's, someone else's plan. You don't need someone else's armor. All you need is direction from God and obedience to His plan for your life. And the, and the, the, the third thing is this, and we talked about this a little, but I'm going to have the worship team come on up this morning. When you rise above your limitations, you can help others do the same. And we... we you know, we, we talked about we talked about how um, the whole nation of Israel got a breakthrough when David overcame his limitations. I want you to think for just a minute. Just, just think with me just for a minute. Who around you, who are the people around you who would get a breakthrough if you first overcame your limitations? So let, let me tell you, I'll, I'll just start with me. If I overcome my limitations, that means my kids can go farther than me. If I overcome my limitations, it means that the church can grow and be healthier than it could before. If I overcome my limitations, maybe, maybe it influences my neighbor or other family members. So when you, if you stay below your limitations, it's going to limit everyone around you. When you rise above your limitations, you set others free to go reach uh, their, their potential. L let me close with a story. So uh, years ago, we, we had, um, Family Life had been going about seven or eight years, and we bought this property, but there was nothing on it, no buildings on this property, and we bought this property, and right over here on this corner, way down here, um, McCaskill and Old Richmond, I moved a little trailer in there, and, and I, that was my office. And we put we put future sign of Family Life Church, a big sign out there on the corner. Now, we barely afforded the land. We were trying to pay the land off. We didn't have any money for buildings or anything. And it took us another, another you know, 
several years before we, we built our first building over here. And I'll never forget this. One of the first meetings we had, we had, we had a couple came in the, in the church building, and they were kind of hanging around after service, and I could tell they wanted to talk to me, so I went over and talked to them. They said, Pastor, you don't know us, and they introduced their names to me. And I said, well, it's so nice to meet you. They said, we already have a church. We're not going to be coming here anymore, but we had to come to tell you a story. They said, whenever you put that sign up there, you know, future home of family life, and you put that building, we would see your truck there every day when we went by. They said, we were just starting a new business, and it didn't look like it was going to make it. We were struggling and working, and they said every day we would go to our office, we'd pass the church and be like, man, that pastor's still there, he's still working, we'll, we'll, we'll work as long as he does. So the good news for them is it took us so long to be able to build a building that their company was successful by the time, by the time we built the building. But they said, we just want you to know that just seeing you here every day, seeing the vision, seeing you work and, and everything, you know, everything around them, it just encouraged us that, man, if he can do it, we can do it too. So I want to encourage you. You don't know who, when you overcome your limitations, you don't know how many people you're inspiring. You don't know how many neighbors, how many relatives, how many people. I had never even met these people before. Never had a conversation with them. And they come in there and said, man, you gave us the inspiration to wake up every day and just keep going. So I, I just want to encourage you. When we overcome our limitations, we inspire other people to do the same. Would you stand with me this morning? As the worship team just sings a, sings a, a verse or a chorus, just a minute, would you take a moment just to be honest, allow the Holy Spirit to speak to you? Are there limitations that people have put on you? Are there limitations that you have placed on yourself? And today you're like, God, I just want you to take these limitations off, off of me. I want to reach my potential. I want to be like David. I want to I achieve success and fulfill the destiny that God has for my life. Just think about that. We're going to close with a prayer in just a minute. You're a good, good father. It's who you are. It's who you are. It's who you are. And I'm loved by you. It's who I am. It's who I am. It's who I am. You're a good, good father. It's who you are. It's who you are. It's who you are. Thank you, Lord. With eyes closed and heads bowed, would I just, if you say, you know, Terry, I realize that I've been, I've been holding back because of limitations that others have put on me, limitations people put on me as I was growing up, limitations I put on myself, and today I just, I want God just to lift those limitations off of me so I can go farther, so I can do greater things, so that I can take others with me, so I can build the kingdom of God. Would you just raise your hands, not to me, just to the Lord, and 
We're going to give all these limitations that people have placed on us. Thank you, Lord. God, right now, we come before you. Lord, we come before you. And all of the limitations that have been placed on us by people, by parents, by relationships, by coworkers, by people in the community, God, by the devil. Lord, all of, all of the uh, limitations we place on ourselves. God, right now, we ask that you would just take all those away, God, and lift the lid of our potential. God, just lift the lid of our potential so that we can do greater things, God, so we can reach more people, God, so we can fulfill the plans and the purpose that you have in our lives. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen.